I just dropped this on the way up here, so I hope it still works. Check, check, check. Coming through? Hello? Hello? You guys can hear me? Doesn't sound like it's coming through. Okay. Well, um, thanks for sharing your testimony, Stephen, wherever you're sitting. I don't know where you're at. There you are. I was looking right past you. <laughs> I was doing what Tad said, just looking over heads. Um, let me pray for us this morning. Uh, dear Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for how you've worked in Stephen's life. Um, and it's, uh, it's so clear. It's so amazing to see um, your grace and your love and your compassion. Lord, I pray for this teaching. I, I really do feel like you changed kind of my direction throughout the week. Um, I believe it's you. I believe this is what you want me to say. So fill me with your spirit. I pray that you'd use it in the lives of people here, that people would really understand and see to a greater degree uh, how much you love them. Um, and that, that just changes everything. So I pray this, I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thank you. I think I'm ready to rock and roll now. Um, so yeah, I, I, about Thursday, I was, I was praying, and I, was, I had almost about half a sermon kind of talked through, or like not talked through, but thought through in my mind. Uh, I was excited about it. I mean, maybe someday I'll still give it. But um, then I really just felt strongly with kind of things I was going through, things I was experiencing, uh, burdens that were on my heart that I should just share more in terms of that and what was really helping me. Um, and it's this idea of remembering how much you're loved, remembering God's love for you. Um, what do you do when things get hard in life? You know, maybe you've been following Jesus for a number of years and things all of a sudden get really hard. What do you do? When things are confusing, when things don't make sense, when, when you get sad or depressed about something, what do you do? Um, so I want to talk today about God's love and how it's important to consistently train yourself to remember, put yourself back at the foot of the cross, remember what he's done for you. Because that, that's powerful. That's powerful. The price, remembering the price uh, that he's paid for you. So I wanted to start off with a story. There's a guy named Henry Morehouse. There he is. Uh, he used to be uh, a gambler, a gang leader, a thief, but he gave his life to the Lord in 1859. At a revival meeting, he gave his life to Jesus. Soon he was preaching the gospel with vigor. Um, his favorite text was John 3.16. Who knows John 3.16? People hold it up the football games. It's the most popular verse in the Bible. Uh, one day, a few years later, he meets uh, D.O. Moody, who we love talking about D.O. Moody and his surrendered life to Jesus. And Henry somehow had the nerve to basically invite himself to go preach at uh, Moody's church. Um, he did it. So sometime later, Moody comes home and talks to his wife, and he learned that Henry Morehouse had indeed showed up, and he started preaching. I don't know how all that worked, you know, like if somebody just showed up, that, it's not, that wouldn't happen here, I guess, but it worked. Anyway, his wife told him, yeah, so far he's preached two sermons on John 3.16, and I think you're going to like him, uh, although he preaches a little bit differently than you do. And Moody said, well, okay, how is that? And he said, well, he tells, he really focuses on it, he tells sinners how much God loves them. Well, Moody wasn't so sure about this at the time, uh, but that evening he goes to hear Morehouse preach, and the young man stood up and he said, uh, if, you'll, if you'll turn to the third chapter of John in the 16th verse, you'll find my text. Uh, Moody later recalled he preached the most extraordinary sermon from that verse. I never knew up to that time that God loved us so much, which is powerful. I don't know, I, I, have, I didn't do the numbers, but how long he had been in ministry up until that point is interesting to think about. He said, my heart began to thaw out. I could not keep back the tears. It was like news from a far country, and I just drank it in. 
Night after night, Henry preached from John 3.16. And it changed. It had a life-changing effect on Moody and I'm sure many others as well. Uh, in closing up the seventh sermon, the seventh, on John 3.16, he said, For seven nights I've been trying to tell you just how much God loves you, but this poor stammering tongue of mine won't let me. If I could ascend Jacob's ladder and ask the angel Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God Almighty, to tell me how much God, the, how much love God the Father has for this poor lost world, all that Gabriel could say would be, God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Moody said, I've never forgotten those nights. I've preached a different gospel since then, and I've had more power with God and with man since then. So you can see an understanding deeper, the love for God, how it's portrayed in the gospel. That radically changed Moody's life and his ministry. I think that's what God wants for you and I as well, to go deeper, to have a deeper understanding of the love of God for us. And so I was thinking of this, some of the things that popped into my mind was like, wh why do something like that? I mean, it, a, a, meaning a sermon on God's love. It's simple. It's something we've heard a lot about. It kind of works its way into every sermon. Um, it's not really new information, right? You know it. You've heard the gospel. Um, but one of the reasons I, I was really compelled to do it, because I think it's one of the primary things the devil is trying to conceal, to hide, to get us to believe lies about, so that you don't think God really loves you. Um, and I think both of those were portrayed in Tad's Devo and, and Stephen's testimony as well, like the understanding and the breakthrough he got in his life when he really, truly deeper realized God's love for him was powerful. Um, so the devil's out to try to hide it, get you to realize it's not true. Because if he can get you to believe God doesn't really love you, it's a victory for him. So I figured, hey, that's one of the best things to then teach on as much as possible so that we really get it to a deeper level. Um, but first off, I thought, hey, it's it's going to be good to make sure we're talking about the same thing. Definitions are helpful. Definitions are good to get some clarity on what we're talking about. So what is love? When you think about it, there's all sorts of things that probably pop into your head, right? Um, I think the most helpful biblical definition, if I could put it succinctly, is this. It's deeply treasuring someone to such a degree you're willing to do anything for their good, even if it's really hard, even if it's laying down your life for them. You're willing to do anything for their good, for their benefit. Um, I'm not talking about this kind of gushy, mushy, fuzzy-wuzzy like feelings, especially when you start like having a crush on somebody. So I was thinking of, you know, it's not like Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, you know, that's called infatuation. That's not, that's not real love. Hopefully they get to that point, uh, you know, but that's what we think in our culture that love is. And it's, it's not that it's not that it's this deep valuing of someone so much that you're willing to do whatever it takes for their benefit. Um, so that's important. It's also, it's also really important to realize a lot of times we think of love in a human form, like um, I might do something really kind for Joe um, out of love for him because I do love him. Uh, but when we're talking about God, it's like a whole other category, higher, better, deeper, wider, all these, it's hard to even like say the right words to try to grasp it. Um, and so an analogy is like God's love is like a diamond. It's wonderful. It's beautiful, but there's a lot of different ways you can look at it right? There's a lot of different facets. There's a lot of different faces. Um, you can always find different, like a deeper new way to look at God's love in the scripture. And you should never get tired of, of finding those things out in the Bible. 
Um, there's a specific one like facet I want to talk about today. There's all sorts of other ones you can go into. Like one of the ones we love talking about here that Tad talks a lot about is God loves you so much. One of his goals, or if in fact the main goal in your life is to get you to understand his love so that you then are showing that love to other people in service and helping them and sharing the gospel. Um, that's not exactly the the way I'm um, or the, the focus I have today, but that's all true. It's all part of this diamond, right? It's beautiful. It's not one-sided by any means. Another analogy is God's love is so deep and it's hard It's hard to even use the right words, but it's like an ocean. It's like, how do you measure it? If you're standing uh, in, at, the, at the beach in California looking out the Pacific Ocean, you've got like a one cup measuring cup. It's like, okay, measure that. There's no way. It's like, where do you even start, right? It's impossible. So it is with God's love. How are you gonna how are you gonna measure that? How are you gonna how are you gonna talk about it? Um but it is amazing. It's the thing that ground that grounds us. You should never get tired of hearing about it. It means everything to us. Um so I just realized this task. When you're talking about God's love, when I'm talking about it, I just can't really I don't feel like I can do it justice. Um so pray. Pray for me. The specific fast that I want to talk about is when life gets hard, we need to train ourselves and teach ourselves to consistently direct our focus and dwell on the amazing love of God for us, to take yourself back to the cross. Remember what he did for you on the cross and remember the heart of the Father. Because really, I mean, how, how deep you understand the love of God for you, not for just like random people all over the world, but it's for you personally for you. It really affects how you handle anything tough you go through. When you're confused, when you're overwhelmed, when you're in sin, when you're depressed, when you're suicidal, um, when you're hurt, when you're going through the hardest things you've ever been through. If you really, underst if you really understand God's love, you can get through anything. You can get through anything. So whatever you're going through today, wherever you're at, God knows. He sees you. He loves you. You need to hear this. Maybe you're about to go through something where you need, you'll remember back, and this is something that you need to hear right now in that moment in the future. Remember the love of Jesus to, to put yourself back at the foot of the cross. This is something David in the Psalms is always doing, whatever he's going through. Uh, so I wanted to just focus on, this one's a shorter psalm, but it really, this is exactly what he does. Hopefully you can read that. It's, I know it's small, I'm sorry. But he says in Psalm 13, this is David, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemies triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemies will say, I've overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the praise of the Lord, for he's been good to me. So back to verse 1. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? I mean, and, I mean, have you ever felt like forgotten by God? Like has God forgotten you? That's what he feels like. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day? He's struggling with like this sadness, depression, and even some self-pity thrown in there. How many of us have been there? right? Look on me and answer me, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I'll sleep the sleep of death. He's in this desperate state, maybe even perhaps suicidal because of what he's struggling with. 
And then in verse four, my enemies will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. He's overwhelmed. He feels defeated. But then it turns. And this is really what I wanted to focus on. He feels all that. He feels the weight. He feels the sadness. He feels the pressure. He feels defeated, overwhelmed. But then it turns. But I will trust in, the, in your unfailing love. It's a conscious choice he makes to actively choose to get his eyes off his circumstances and, on, and off of his feelings and onto the steadfast love of God. And my heart, and, and, it, and it turns from this like, woe, woe is me, to rejoicing, right? Which is about as black and white as you can get, really. So it goes from over here to here because he focuses on the steadfast love of God. Man, and so how often do you just rejoice in your salvation? Thank you, Lord, for saving me, even me. Though I was a sinner, thank you for saving me. And then it just, again, I will sing I will sing the Lord's praise for he's been good to me. He's been so good to me. Amen. So David's always just take, in the Psalms, a lot of times he's always in some circumstance, he feels a certain way based off of what's going on, and he focuses his mind back on the steadfast love of God. And that's what, that's what we need to learn to do more regularly, more consistently. Whether you're confused, overwhelmed, sad, depressed, in like struggling with sin, like Stephen was talking about, hurt, defeated, we need to remember God's extraordinary love for us. That's what gets David through every situation. That's what gets us through every situation. So we need to be reminded of this. I ha I've had several experiences of just feeling completely overwhelmed by God's love, and usually they happen in the midst of some kind of trying really hard thing, because that kind of, I don't know, sometimes those are just like wake-up calls. And it makes you get really honest and raw with God about how you're feeling. Those are the moments where I've really felt God come through. And I've, I've really felt and understood his love deeper. So one of the examples I wanted to give from history, I just briefly, because some of these are really special times for me, you know, it's kind of weird to talk about them in front of everyone. Uh, but one time was when I was in the discipleship house and I just felt completely overwhelmed by everything that was going on. There's a guy who was mad at me, like really mad. There's a guy who was in sin and rebellion, and I was trying to <laughs> confront that, and it wasn't going well. Um, I was stressed out by school and work, and it was just like, I just felt like completely like underwater. You know, have you ever felt like, have you ever been there? Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember like feeling like I just need a rope, you know, to grab onto. And this is why you got to be in the word, because I just remembered, okay, what did David do? Okay. What did, you know, how would he handle this situation? And I just canceled everything that I had going on that evening, and I just went and got alone with the Lord. And it was one of the most amazing times I've had. And the simple, it really wasn't this deeply, like, uh, there wasn't something really complicated that he showed me. It was just reminding me and helping me see deeper the level of his love for me. And that's that's what he wants for you. And it was kind of, it was kind of like magic, even though I know it's not magic, but it felt that way because it was like, boom, oh man, my problems don't seem all that bad. Yeah, it's hard, but I've got God and he loves me. So I need this more. I need to grasp deeper the love of God and so do you. And I hope you do today. And we need him to reveal it to us because it's also not just something uh, that's, a, that's a mental thing. It's helpful to know facts. It's helpful to know what the word says, but it's got to be something that God reveals to you at a deeper level. That's why Paul prays. And actually, I wanted to pray that over us all today. So why don't I do that? Lord, I pray like Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, Lord, that you would help us, that you being, that we, that we being rooted and grounded in love, we would have the strength to comprehend with all of the saints, all of your saved ones, all of your holy ones, what is the breadth, 
and length and height and depth and to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. God, we want to know that. So we pray that you would reveal it and you'd help us deal with the lies that are in the way, the things that are blocking it, and take us deeper, reveal this. Ultimately, it's revealed through Christ, but God, help get that into our hearts today to a deeper level. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, it's more than just it's more than just knowledge. We need a revelation. We need a deeper revelation. So what I wanted to do was just go through th three things that I think really helped me uh, understand God's love even more. And hopefully, and I pray God uses them to give you revelation of his love for you. Um, we talk a lot about the steadfast love of God here at the Refuge, and I love that. Uh, I think it's really important. Um, God's Hesed, Exodus 34, 6. Um, and I felt like what I didn't want to do is just say kind of the same stories and parrot Tad, um, even though I think it's true what Tad says. Um, but Tad will mention Exodus 34, 6, uh, Mephibosheth, Jonah, Jesus is God's love with skin on. All those things are true and important. But I was like, what are some what are some different ways of looking at this that, that would be helpful? So that's what I'm going to try to do. Because the love of God's all over the Bible, right? Um, in powerful ways. So the first one I wanted to talk about, which uh, this really became clear to me in, in a different sermon that, that I preached a few, I don't remember when it was, but it's um, Judas. Judas is fascinating because we, and we know some things about him, right? And usually you think of Judas and you think, oh, he was a bad dude and he did some bad stuff. Sometimes I feel bad because um, my son's name is Judah. And sometimes if I'm speaking too fast, too quickly, it sounds like I'm calling him Judas. Like, Judas, come over here. And uh, I, that's kind of an unfortunate thing. But um, anyway, we know Judah, Judas was a, was a bad dude. He betrayed the Son of God. I mean, how bad does it get, right? That's pretty bad. Um, the Gospel of John seems to have the most information about him. It fills in a lot of the gaps about Judas specifically. But it seems, based on John 6, that Jesus knew pretty early on that Judas was going to betray him. It wasn't, it wasn't a surprise. He knew pretty, pretty early on. And we don't often think about this, but Judas would have been part of the 12 that were sent out to do ministry, right? And think of Matthew uh, and in Mark. But they go out and they, they're preaching the gospel, performing miracles, casting out demons. And he sure seemed sincere at that point, right? But John 12 fills in some details for us. We know from John 12, Judas was a thief. He was stealing from the ministry funds, Right, so they had some kind of uh, ministry, like a money pouch, and Judas, when nobody was looking, would would steal some from it. It seemed like he was probably the guy that was taking, like, keeping track of all the money, but he was pocketing a lot of it himself. So he's lying, he's hiding, he's cheating, um, and it didn't. It's not a one-time thing. This was a pattern for him. So as we're going to learn in Tad's seminar, sin opens the door to the devil. Right, it gives the devil access. It gives the devil a foothold in your life. That seems to be clearly what's going on in Judas's life. Unrepentant sin. And then it, the verbiage like um, Satan entered his heart, things like that. And he goes to the level of betraying Jesus for money. For money. He betrayed the Savior of the world, the Son of God, for money. That's pretty bad. So Jesus knew all this, and the powerful thing is that he loved him still. He loved him still, and that's just mind-blowing to me. I hope you let that sink in. And the way I believe we can know this, more than just like, oh, Jesus loved everybody, but specifically the way it talks in John 13 about the group of people Jesus was with his disciples 
when he washed their feet. And in John 3.16, there's this little phrase. This is right before he washes their feet. He says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And it's talking about the people who's about to wash their feet, which included Judas. Jesus washed Judas's feet, all the while knowing this was going to happen. What amazing love. What amazing love for Judas. And that's the same love he has for you, each and every one of you here. And I, I just think that's so powerful. He loved Judas even as Judas was in the middle, in the process of betraying him. He, was, he had already planned it out in his mind, and he's still, he's still loving him. What a crazy kind of love. That's the love of our Savior Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Um, yeah, just the fact that he's loved me that way when I've rejected him, when I've blown it, when I've fallen into sin, um, and, and that he's not going to stop. He's not going to stop loving me. He's not going to stop loving you that way. Praise God for that. So that's Judas. Um, the second one for me that's really powerful is this idea of adoption. And I did a whole talk on this. It's been one of my favorite things. I love to talk about it because it's so practical and how you walk out your, your walk with God, understanding who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ. The verse that, that came to mind when I was thinking about this, John, 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. So this is talking to Christians, those who are in Christ. How great a love, how magnificent a love that he's lavished, that he's poured out. It's this idea of like abundance, pouring it out on us, that we should be called children of, children of God. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve that at all. But the biblical testimony is clear. If you believe Jesus is God who died for your sins, who rose again from the grave, you surrender to him and said, I'm making you my Lord. He adopts you into his family? That's crazy. But you're in. You're adopted into a spiritual family. And one of the most beautiful realities is it's not because you deserve it. It's not because you deserve it. And so therefore, it's, it's not up to you to maintain by your actions. Right? It's not to try to, you don't, you're not living to try to earn it. It's already yours in Christ. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And so the implications of, of the adoption analogy are, are really strong for me. So one of them is God wants you. He wants you, even before, even when you're in the middle of rejecting him. Even before you've repented from your sin, he wants you. Uh, that God likes you. That, that, that one's kind of an interesting one. It doesn't mean he likes what you're doing. It doesn't mean he likes your sin. But he loves you and wants you. That God was thinking uh, ahead of time and taking steps toward you in the form of Jesus, right? I believe when Jesus was on the cross, he was thinking of us. He was thinking of you. He was dying for your sins, right? And that's just powerful for me. And then, and then it's, really, it's really helpful to realize and remember, it's not based on your identity in Christ isn't based on your performance, because it's real, genuine, true love. A lot of the love we know here on earth, it is based on your performance. If you feel like you didn't measure up, maybe it's with your parents, right? Or there's countless examples. A lot of times the strongest ones are with your, your mom or your dad. Uh, if you felt like you didn't measure up and didn't do things how they wanted you to, then they didn't, they didn't like you, they didn't want you around, they rejected you. But it's not that way with God at all. It's not. He loves you, he wants you, he died for you. And he wants you in his family. He wants to adopt you into his spiritual family. He loves you so much.
Um, I think this kind of idea is strongly um, illustrated in Isaiah 49. So just listen to this. This is one I know some of you are familiar with. So Zion said, so God's people say, the, the Lord's forgotten me, the Lord's forsaken me. The Lord's forgotten me. And again, do you, do you ever feel like that? I've felt like that before. But God's, God's reply is astounding. He gives this word picture. He says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she's born? And I know Tad's talked about this before, but there's really nothing as strong as a mother's love for her baby. And I've seen it this week because my son Judah has been about the sickest I've ever seen him before. And uh, Danielle just literally has dropped everything. All the like stuff she's wanted to get done that, that were important to her, she's just dropped it just to take care of Judah and sometimes just hold him for hours. I'm like, I don't think I can do that. You know? <laughs> but she just loves him so much. It's like amazing to watch. Uh, feeding him, like just just think, singing to him, praying over him all the time this week. It's been amazing. And that's how God feels for you and for me, because his response is, though, even though a mother might forget, some of us maybe have moms that really love us all that well. But even though a mom might forget, God says, I will not forget you. I love you. So are you, are you getting it? Are you allowing yourself to refocus and remember that astounding truth of God's love for you? He hasn't forgotten you. And again, I feel like it's hard. My words, I don't feel like are doing, doing it justice. But the third thing I wanted to focus on is kind of this idea of remembering what Jesus has, has done for us. And this is one too. If you've heard if you've heard the gospel a lot, you're you're going to glaze over. But I want to I want you to think about it from a slightly different perspective here. Let's let's um, let's think about it from God's perspective. Okay. So let's imagine you're the God of everything. You're the God of the universe. You're the King of Kings, the ruler of all. Uh, like Psalm 99. I didn't put it up on the board, but this just kind of gets it. The Lord reigns. Let the let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned. But sorry, between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord. He is exalted over the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. This is the God. This is the God we're talking about here. He's holy. He's above all. He's the creator of everything. In his mind, he came up with how all this would work, which is astounding. So let's imagine you're God. You decide to create everything. And then you decide you want to create something very special, something very unique. Unlike anything else you've created, you want to create humans. Why? Well, to be in a relationship with you. For you to love, for them to love, to enjoy them, for them to enjoy you. It was supposed to be awesome. And then you make them this beautiful place to have a relationship with each other and with you. It was supposed to be great, but in order to really give them in order to really give them the option of true love, you have to give them choice. You have to give them the ability to reject. Because only when you have the ability to reject is true love real. So he gave us the ability to reject him, and boy, did we ever, right? Boy, did we ever. Ever since creation, the humans that God created to love and have this wonderful relationship with him, they rejected him, they slandered him, they broke his rules, they hurt one another, they destroyed his creation, they pretended like he wasn't there, they gave him lip service, they obsessed over themselves. 
So what does God do? Well, you look in Scripture, and he sends these people over and over and over and over and over and over to, with special warnings. Like, hey, this isn't how you're supposed to be doing it. Hey, come back to me, please. And does it work? No. Like it says in Acts 7, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They rejected them. They persecuted them. Had some of them killed. So he warns. He tries to discipline. He tries to bring, he tries to almost do everything possible to, to, to wake humans up. And it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work as a whole. There are, there are a few people, if you study scripture, that really seem to get it. So what does God do? He should probably just start over, right? That's really what we deserve. If you really understand your sin and how much you've offended and rejected God, you're like, man, it's sheer grace that I'm, I'm here, that I'm alive today, that I'm not just vaporized. But like it says in the parable Jesus taught in Luke 20, what shall I do? I know I'll send my beloved son. Perhaps they'll respect him. Perhaps God in, in human flesh will do the trick for us, right? So what did we do with that as humans? Like it says in Acts 3. Let me get, here we go. Like it says in Acts 3, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life. So we humans as a group, we killed Jesus, the one who came to show us his love, the one who came to, to bridge the gap, to bring us back to him. We killed him. So what's God going to do now? But you, a lot of you know the story, the amazing turn. In the an extraordinary turn of events, God raises Jesus up from the grave. What looked like a defeat, he gloriously turned into a victory. So that now when you come to him and you humble yourself, and you say, Lord, yes, I need you. You died for my sins on the cross. And you've displayed your love in this amazing way. He gives you salvation and he gives you this relationship with God that you've been yearning for and trying to fill with all the wrong things. Why? Why did he do all that? Why did he go through all that? Why did he suffer all that? Why did he go through all that humiliation? Because he loved us. He loves you. That's why he did it. But let it hit you afresh again. Let, I really hope you feel it. It's tremendous. The love that he has for you, the love that he has for me. It's amazing. And we need to, whatever you're going through, remember that. Dwell on that. Don't forget it. You've got to keep going back to it over and over and over again. It's the main thing. Um, Romans 5.8, Stephen quoted it. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That, that's the action. That's the action. So he feels tremendously for us, and it moves him to action, even laying down his life for us. It's crazy. So the practical, I always like to get practical, because these are amazing truths, but what do you do with it? If you've never given your life to Christ, I urge you, today is the day. I urge you, see, see his love for you. See what he's done for you. Come and surrender to him because he's worth it. He's worth it. Don't you see what he's done for you? Don't you see what you've, how you've sinned against him? And he's offering you salvation. He's offering you a way to be reconciled to him. He's worth it. Don't let his love go to waste.
that simple verse that's so profound. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish. That, that means be separated in eternity, but, you're, but have everlasting life. It's this relational, brought back together with God in communion, in relationship with him. That's what he wants for you. So I hope you don't go away today without addressing that. If you feel God's call in your heart, talk to somebody. Get right with the Lord. Today's the day of salvation. He loves you. He loves you. He's going to keep coming after you. He loves you so much. Um, if you're in Christ, if, you, if you're born again, you know you've come in through the right way, through the, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and you're surrendered to him. The thing I really wanted to focus on for you is this is, this is your... Uh, this is your ticket. This is your. This is how you process any and everything hard that happens to you in life. Um, so if you're depressed, discouraged, you recall the love he poured out for you on the cross. If you're really confused and like everything's swirling around you, you go back and remember what Jesus did for you on the cross and his love, what he sacrificed for you. If you're beat down, ready to give up. If you're caught in sin, you throw yourself at the foot of the cross. You remember. If you're losing hope, you remember what does he think about you? How does he love you? You remember the stuff I've talked about, other people. You remember what scripture you've read. Remember Judas, right? Remember how he, he adopted you. He loves you. That's not going to change. There's a permanence to it. What he went through for you on the cross. You remember. You dwell on. You treasure those things. So, um, in closing... In closing, I really want to meditate on the words of this poem some of us know really well. Um, it was written by a guy named Frederick Lehman. But he was a California businessman, um, and his business suffered drastic decline. It, it went belly up. He lost everything. He had to resort to kind of blue-collar uh, stuff. So he fell a long way in the business world. And there's a sermon on love that really touched him so deeply. He came up with these words for a song about God's love, and he put it to music. He, he completed two stanzas, but he was really trying to get a third. And he was having trouble remembering it, or like coming up with it. And then he remembered something someone had pointed his attention to, which was a poem that was written on the cell of like an asylum prison type thing years ago. Not much is known about the guy who wrote it or if they were even his words. I mean, actually, later they think this uh, this Jewish rabbi probably came up with it, but still, it was etched in the wall. So this prisoner put them there to remember God's, remember every day, God's love, the greatness of his love for him every day. Whatever the circumstances, Frederick remembered this, and he used them in the third stanza of his song. So I first, I want to read it, and then I want to sing it together, and I want you to let it hit you in a new way today. Now remember, if you if you haven't accepted his love, if you haven't accepted that the offer of salvation, do it, do it today. See your sins, see the goodness of his love. Let that win your heart for him so that you'll you'll give him everything. And let's as those who are in Christ constantly go back to this, remind ourselves of this. So the poem it's called The Love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The wandering child is reconciled by God's beloved son. 
the aching soul again made whole and priceless pardon won. When ancient time shall pass away and human thrones and kingdoms fall, when those who here refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure shall still endure all measureless and strong. Grace will resound the whole earth round in saints and angels' song. And here's the one stanza that was etched on the wall. Could we with ink with the ocean fill, or were the skies of parchment made, were every stock on earth a quill and every one ascribed by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. So whatever you're going through right now, remember, dwell on, think about. Take yourself back to the foot of the cross. What did Jesus do for you? Remember that amazing love of God. And let's, let's, let's sing this together and go, go there together to remember and praise him. I, I was trying to figure out how to say this. Um, I leaned over to Susan. I said, he's pretty good. But I didn't want to come up here and praise Jason. You know he's pretty good? He's a good donkey. Seriously. He got out of the way. like the good donkey did when marching through the streets and everyone laying out the palm branches so Jesus looked really good and uh, that's what you want in a minister and a pastor so I was also thinking I think we picked a good one that was good Good stuff. Make it go viral. Get it out there so the whole world hears it. That's that's what the world wants to hear, needs to hear, yearns for, even though they don't know it. That's the light that comes into the world, and the world doesn't comprehend it, but the world can't overcome it. That's what the devil doesn't want you preaching, doesn't want you telling your mom and dad about, and your sister wants you getting out you know, theology, philosophy, anything. Get a degree, become a missionary. Just don't know that. Don't. I was also thinking of the verse in Romans. If God didn't spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, what's he not going to do for you? Talk about how much, if Daniel was willing to give Judah, Jason was willing to give Judah, you think he's not going to let you borrow his car? What are you, nuts? You think he's not going to give you 20 bucks? He's not going to buy your coffee? You think he's not going to pick you up, you know, when you get in trouble with the law? You think he's not going to put up with... If God gave his own son, he said, again, if you don't get it, if you don't get the love of God, you ain't getting it. If he didn't spare his own son, freely gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? So anyway, now... um. I just feel kind of uh, compelled. I don't know. Maybe this is nothing. Is, is there anyone that has the courage that um, that would say, "Hey, that was for me. Um, God spoke to me. I've never, I've never given my life to Christ before. 
I've never surrendered to him before, but I see his love in a new, fresh way today. Is there anyone that would have the courage to just raise your hand? Praise the Lord. We got to make sure. He says we better make sure somebody talks to him. Okay. Good, good. Yeah. Anybody on on Zoom? Uh, you know, contact us. Anybody else in here? If you're afraid, I thought I was a Christian. I'm not so sure. All right. See another hand over there. See another hand over there. Pride will keep you from all the good stuff. Humility is a golden key. It'll get you everywhere in the kingdom of God. Step up. Be courageous. Be humble. Talk to somebody. you got a pretty awesome dad. He'll be happy to work you through all the details. Okay? Anybody else? Don't be bashful. I'm not sure I got the gospel. I didn't get that gospel. Um, so now, uh, kind of interesting because I think we're almost at the anniversary of when God moved last year in a whole bunch of different churches, aren't we? Asbury, but then God really moved here, and it's about a year later. And uh, anyway, I was just thinking about that. Why didn't why didn't much come of that? I think it was because people didn't change the way they thought and what they were doing. The big change we need is love at the center of everything. God's love. So now we're going to do the Lord's table. Um, I would encourage my brother back there. I forgot his name. I just met him before the service. But um, before you before you take him out of the room, Jason, I w I'd like to say something. This is kind of cool if you've never taken communion before and meant it. It's It's a great way to get into the kingdom and say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I know I need you. I need salvation. I'm I'm giving my life to you. I'm inviting you into my life. The the bread, I believe in your broken body. The wine, I believe in your shed blood for me so I could be forgiven. It can be your yes. This could be one of the coolest moments in your whole life, so I don't want you to shuffle out of the door. If you're giving Jesus your yes today, I'd really encourage you. Come on down to make this. You might have taken communion, not know what you're doing, grown up in some tradition, but this can be your yes. I've seen this happen a lot uh, um, is, uh, in churches, that this is a great way to say yes to the Lord. And then you can just work out all the details uh, after the service. But uh, do you understand that you're a sinner? Do you understand you deserve death and separation from God? But God, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, Made us alive together with Christ. So God's saying, you're dead. You deserve sin. We're separated. You're in big trouble. But I gave my son. Will you give me your life? Will you give me your sin? Will you let me put my spirit in you? Change your heart. Make your life what it's always been in my heart. that you become from God's perspective. So anyway, but this is a time where we uh, reaffirm. Think about this God who loves us, what he did for us. And I just like to 
you know, the Bible says examine your heart, but I just like to come down and say, Jesus, I am all in. You are the thing. I'm reaffirming my commitment by the fact. What I, what I affirmed in my baptism when I gave my life to you completely, I'm reaffirming it all over again. Like renewing my marriage vows, not that I fell out, but it's just I got clarity again, and I just want you to, I want you to know you're my number one. I was thinking about Judas. I got hit with a new idea about Judas this morning. He sold out Jesus for money. Christians do that. So they walk with Jesus. Somehow they get on the money track. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's a Judas move. It's like, no, Jesus, I don't want money. I don't want money. I don't want a spouse. I don't want kids. I don't want anything. I don't want anything ever to threaten your place in my heart. And I'm just letting you know I appreciate that you love me, and I want you to know you have all my love. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe you're my salvation, and I'm all yours once again. So let's just pray, play some worship uh, music, meditate on the love of God when you're ready to come down here and reaffirm the